Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoyed this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. And today we're talking about demystifying marriage. This is from the Four Laws of Marriage a book and series that I do. Uh, and also this teaching is coming up here in just a minute. But Karen, welcome Thank to you. the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. <laughs> and we're going to talk for just a minute about uh, the demystifying marriage, specifically about the law of priority. Now, the four laws of love mm-hmm. come from Genesis chapter 2, tw- verses 24 and 25. And it begins, this is when God created Adam and Eve, and he said, for this cause a man will leave his father and his mother. And so the leaving means reprioritizing. Marriage has to be number one, mm-hmm. period, in, in real terms. Mm-hmm. And if it's not number one, then what happens is we begin to be jealous and resentful. And a lot of the fights that we had early in our marriage, golf was the mm-hmm. biggest problem that I had. But a lot of the fights people have a lot of times is just simply because we're jealous of what has taken our place. We fall in love because we prioritize each other. Mm-hmm. But then we get married, we get lazy, we begin to take each other for granted, and we just begin a slow drift into bad habits mm-hmm. and, and really taking each other for granted. And then you begin to fight. The husband many times resents the kids or you know his wife's parents or something. The wife resents his job or golf or friends or something like that. So why don't you talk about that for just a minute related to especially early in our marriage when – our priorities right away. Yeah. Well, I think for us personally, the problems were because exactly what you said, we were interested in other things and we just get caught up in it. And I think in today's world, there's so much going on. There's just either social media, business, you know, jobs, you know, and then kids. And so it's so easy to get up, caught up in all that, you know, and um, we think about right now, you know, coming to the end of this virus situation and how we keep hearing about how families are growing together because they they actually are stuck with each other. Yeah. And they're learning how to, you know, come together and, and bond together like they've never done before. And it just shows right there. It's a perfect example during this time of how families need each other. You know, yeah. we need to be yeah. together and we need to prioritize each other because it makes a strong bond that when we go through something else on down the lo- road, whatever it is, we already have that bonding. Well, the, and the reason that some people have had marriage problems but through this COVID-19 is because before they were able to uh, be distracted, mm-hmm. they didn't have to spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I knew a couple one time that had never been alone together. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, apart from the bedroom, they had never, ever been anywhere deliberately by themselves because they didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And the first time they went away by themselves, they had a huge fight within the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. When it, Whenever you're prioritizing your marriage, it means you're spending time together, you're talking out your problems, mm-hmm. you're meeting each other's needs. When you don't do that and you begin the bad habits and stuff, problems don't go away, they accumulate. Mm-hmm. And and even though you may be able to distract yourself with work or kids or something like that, it, it, the, the payday's coming. It's, right. it's going to come. But the worst, the worst part of it all is it just doesn't work. Mm-mm. So when God told us the law of priority, the very first thing God ever said, Mm-hmm. is it's not going to work unless you reprioritize mm-hmm. the most important things in your life. So let's talk about some disciplines and traditions. When when we first got married, uh, we walked, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, when, when the Lord healed our marriage, when our <laughs> kids were old enough to stay by themselves in the house, mm-hmm. we went walking every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we would sit in our bedroom at night. We had a little sitting area. 
and we would pop popcorn, sit face to face and talk. And it's, I say, it's not what you can make happen. It's what you can keep happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's the disciplines and traditions that are the most important of keeping the priority in your marriage. I agree because we still do those things. You know, we're like, we still go for those walks and we still spend a lot of time together. You know, you work a lot from home and you've always kind of been that way. So I've, I've always adjusted to that. A lot of women are like, he's home all day. But, you know, you have your own thing going on and it's like, it's, it's just our life. And I think it's what exactly what you're saying. You know, when you have those habits and you don't have resentments, you know, and you don't get flush, you know, frustrated and, um, you know, you just accept things and then learn how to, to ma- navigate through those changes in your life. And you keep making yourself, all of a sudden you look back and you're like, because we've been married 47 years. And I look back now and I think, I'm so grateful that we have those foundations. Yeah, it, and it, that's what it is. It's a foundation. And we encourage everyone, this teaching is coming up here uh, in just a, just a second. But just we just encourage everybody, you know, around your own lifestyle, prioritize your marriage and build disciplines and traditions. A, a date night, Karen, is a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Every week you have a date night. Every every day you have time face-to-face to talk without any distractions. You go on walks. You have a time to pray together. Whatever it is, that's what makes marriage great. And no marriage is ever great if it's not prioritized. And don't, don't think that it is. So this teaching is coming up. We hope that this was helpful to you today. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. We love hearing... God helps your marriage. Now, let's listen to the teaching on today's topic. Marriage is the safest relationship on the earth when God's laws of love are honored. Now, that's hard for our generation to believe. It is marriage was not created by a lawyer, a legislature, or a lonely Neanderthal. Marriage was created by Almighty God, and our God is a good God. Somebody say amen. Amen. He would never, ever create anything to harm us. We're his beloved. He would never do that. It It wasn't somebody that created marriage. God did. And when we slam marriage, we're slamming God. And understand this, a lot of people in in our culture fear marriage. There's a tremendous fear of marriage in our culture now worldwide. And understand this, in 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. Today, it's between 45 and 48%. Most adult Americans are not married. And and marriage has a bad name. Marriage gets slammed. And people, even Christian people, are are afraid of it. You, You fear anything that you don't understand. Ignorance causes fear. And I was, I was afraid of it. I mean, I was like everybody else. And so un- understand this. God, from the very beginning, made marriage very simple and easy to understand. Most people who are failing in marriage are wonderful people. Most people who have failed in marriage are wonderful people. They just didn't know. But what I want to say is this. I know the laws of love. I, I know these laws. And I know the difference that they make in your marriage. These laws create love. These laws protect love, and these laws promote love. Without these laws, there is no love in marriage. I've been on both sides of this. And so these are the laws of love. This is where love comes from. Okay. So, and I want to say something to parents and to influencers, and that is there's just a negative impression in our society on marriage. And some of it comes from Christians. And I want to say every parent's dream is for your child to grow up and get married and have kids, right? Isn't that what we want? So you want them to leave home, number one. 
that's the big one. But you want to have grandkids. You want to have, you, know, you want to have a family. So you want your kids to leave and get married. But you're the greatest influencer of what, what's going to happen to them. And so as you're raising them, what I'm saying is you may have been, you may have been drugged down a hard road. I understand that. You may have been divorced or something. I get that. I, I get how hurt you might be. But what I'm saying is you can be healed and the truth will heal you. And even if you have failed to this point, you can succeed from this point on. And your influence upon your children is the most important influence in their life. And what I'm saying to you is this. I'm asking you if you would to develop a positive attitude towards your marriage because it's a gift from God. And when you slam marriage, you're slamming God. And when you're slamming marriage or sitting silently as somebody else is, your children are watching. And your children's impression on marriage should be it is a gift of God and it's the safest relationship on earth when you do it God's way. Somebody say amen. amen. And second statement, you have a 100% chance of marriage. 100% chance of success in marriage when you do it God's way. 100% chance. You don't have a 50-50 chance. You know, if half of the airplanes taking off were crashing, it would be a sign of intelligence not to fly. And with half of marriages failing, a lot of smart people say, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to get hurt? I totally agree. But what I'm saying to you is, from the very beginning, God created laws. And his laws work Every single time. So this message is called demystifying marriage. I want, to, I want to take the mystery out of it because there's so much mystery to it right now that scares people to death. I want to take the mystery out of it and I want to say when God created marriage, he created laws, four laws that govern marriage. And here's where he did it. This is Genesis 2. Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. Now in verse 24 and 25, these are the four laws of love. Listen. God created Eve for Adam, and the instant that he was finished, God said, therefore, a man will leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, they too shall become one, the man and his wife are both naked and not ashamed. Listen, listen to me, they didn't have mothers. God said, therefore, a man, he's looking at Adam and Eve, they were both created directly by God, they didn't have mothers. We know that God was not speaking this to Adam and Eve. He was speaking this over all of creation. Just as he created everything in Genesis 1 and created laws by which the universe and the world operate, he created marriage and the first thing he did was speak four laws over the marriage. They're impersonal. They're universal. They work for everyone. If you violate them, you get hurt. If you honor them, you succeed every single time. There's no luck to it. There's no mystery to it. Why did God make Eve out of Adam's rib because marriage is a covenant and the word covenant means to cut if there is no blood there's no covenant Jesus said in Mark 14 then he took the cup and when he had given thanks and gave it to them and they all drank from it he said to them this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many the word covenant means a permanent sacrificial relationship 
What it means is this, I'm all in. Whatever level, whatever level that we have to go to. When you're saying your vows and you're standing before a preacher like me and you're saying for better, for worse, you know why you're saying worse? That's covenant. In modern marriages, it's just better. Sickness, sin, and health, that's covenant. Richer for poor, that stinks, but it's covenant. It's, those are covenant vows. And from the very beginning, you're saying, this is a sacrificial till death do us part. This is a sacrificial, permanent relationship. This is a covenant relationship. So from the very beginning, God created marriage as a covenant. You say, well, what if I don't have a covenant marriage? You have a contract marriage. Let me tell you the difference. A contract protects my rights and limits my responsibilities. It's selfish. It's selfish from the beginning, and this is what modern marriages are. I'm going to marry you as long as you take care of me, as long as you do right. And so I want to protect my rights, and I want to limit my responsibilities, and this is all about me. A sacrificial covenant says I'm sacrificing rights, and I'm limiting my responsibilities. I'm all in from the very beginning. This is a sacrifice. Let me say, in relationships, you get what you pay for. And if you want to begin a relationship by moving your clothes into someone's closet and not making any formal commitments, you got what you paid for. And it's over as easy as it started. But if you want to begin a relationship with covenant, with a sacrificial mentality that you're all in and you pay the price for that relationship, you get what you pay for and it'll last the rest of your life. From the very beginning, God made marriage as a covenant relationship. So let me, let me talk about the first law of marriage real quick. This is the law of priority. And of course, he says, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. Well, laws create order, safety, and predictability. When you, when you have laws, there's order. There's order in the universe, and there's order in the world, because laws, right? Okay. There's safety. If you follow the laws, if you don't follow the laws, you know, there's not safety. And it's predictable. You know, I can predict if I throw a ball in the air, it's going to come down because of the law of gravity. But imagine there was no law of gravity. Imagine for just a minute that gravity wasn't a law. It was just kind of a principle, and it came and went. And you're sitting on the runway in an airplane, and the pilot comes on and says, Folks, we're, we've had some pretty good gravity the last couple of days, so we're going to go ahead and take off. <laughs> but let's just hope that it stays for a little while because we did lose a couple of planes to outer space last week. That was bad. <laughs> and relax and enjoy your flight. So, anybody? That'd be, that'd be good. Aren't you glad that gravity's a law? Aren't you glad? Laws create order and safety and predictability. God created marriage with laws. Marriage is orderly. Marriage is the safest relationship on earth. Marriage is predictable when you do it according to God's laws. When you don't, and most people that don't know God's laws are sweet people that just don't know like we didn't. But if you, there's just no mystery to it. There's no fear to it. You don't have to fear marriage. It's God made you for marriage. God created all that he created and he blessed every single thing he created except a man by himself. In Genesis 2.18, he looked at Adam and said, I will not bless you by yourself. And as soon as he created Eve, God blessed them as a couple. God made you for marriage. He made your children for marriage. There are a few people that are not married. They're like Jesus and like the apostle Paul. They're not a subculture. They're a superculture. That's what the Bible says. But most of us were made for marriage. But we have been damaged by a culture that has rejected the word of God. And it's time for us to return to marriage and to receive it as the gift that it is. And to understand it and to embrace it. And teach our children how to do the same thing. 
What if there were no traffic laws? People are crazy with traffic laws. What if there were no traffic laws? You know, mature believers who love Jesus get in the car and they lose their salvation and Satan possesses them. Really, really. I'm talking about the church parking lot, folks. I'm talking about... So, Karen and I, Karen and I have a good marriage. We, we have a great marriage. Really, Karen's the perfect wife. But in the car, we struggle. And in the car, we struggle. And uh, so, I'm just being honest. So, I should have titled this book, The Four Laws of Love Except in the Car. So, uh, Karen, uh, she doesn't like the way I drive. And uh, she's not silent about it. And she has a backseat driving spirit that cannot be cast out. <laughs> Jesus knows I've tried. She was backseat driving on the way here. And so we get in the car, and she didn't like the way I drive. And so, uh, and she, like this, uh, you should, I'll turn. We'll be driving somewhere, I'll turn. She'll say, you should have gone that way. That's the best way. That's the shortest way. That's my way. You always go the wrong way. You always go the wrong way. You say, Jesus, help me be strong. <laughs> and, and we'll get to go up to a stoplight, and I'll stop. And she'll say, you could have made that. <laughs> then the next slide, I'll go through it. She said, you just ran that light. <laughs> Are there any other husbands that can relate to this? Oh, God bless you. <laughs> Jesus, heal him. Jesus heal him. Give him strength. Well, I don't like the way Karen drives. She scares me to death. The sister scares me to death. So we'll, we'll be going somewhere and she'll grab her keys. My worst fear. <laughs> we're taking my car. I'm going to drive. So Karen, we're going to take my car. No, we're taking my car this time. I'm going to drive. So I get, I get in the passenger seat and just start praying in tongues. <clears throat> she, she scares me to death. And I'll say something. I'll say, Karen. Karen, you're going too fast. You're following too close. She's like, you just sit back and relax. I can't relax when my life is in danger. I'm sorry. I've never been relaxed right before I died. You know. So there are laws of marriage that are absolute and they protect us. Thank God for laws, somebody. Okay, so God, God created laws. Number one law is the law of priority. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. Marriage has to be first. It has to be before your children. It has to be before work. It has to be before church. It has to be before golf. It has to be before video games. It has to be before social media. It has to be before friends. If marriage is in any other place, except for your relationship with Jesus, if marriage is in any place other than first, in real terms, it doesn't work. And so God comes and he says, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. Well, before you get married, now the word leave is this word. It's azab, it's this word. You just let go. It just means, don't, you're not mean to him. You just reprioritize him. For this cause, a man has to let go of his parents being the most important bond in his life. Now, so, so you've heard this saying that blood is thicker than water. Okay, so what that means is fight breaks out, stay with family, right? Let me give you another saying. Blood may be thicker than water, but spirit's th thicker than blood. And Jesus said, what God has joined together. The Pharisees were, in Matthew 19, were asking Jesus if it was okay to divorce for any cause at all. And Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Let me say something to you. This is a very important statement. Marriage is not a piece of paper. Marriage is an act of the Spirit of God. 
If what makes you married, a, a certificate from the state is great. The blessing of your parents is great. But the most important part of your marriage is your spirits being connected. And the spiritual connection of marriage is more profound than the blood bond with your mother and father. We all want someone to choose us. And that's what the laws of love create love. Karen and I fell out of love because I wasn't following this. When we began to respect the four laws of love, we fell back in love. This, this is where love comes from. It's not some force. It's not chemistry. It's not luck. It comes from the laws of God. When you follow the laws of God every single day, what you're saying to your spouse is, I love you. I choose you again today. And I will protect you from anything that competes against you. I will protect you. Now, there's a, a term called legitimate jealousy. There, there are times in marriage that you can become jealous in a good way. And legitimate jealousy, by the way, Exodus 34, 14, God says, you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. God's one of God's names is jealous. You say, well, why is God jealous? The word jealous means intolerant of rivalry. Here's why God is jealous. You're only jealous in proportion to the degree that you love. You're never jealous over somebody that you don't love. But to the degree that I love you is to the degree that I will fight for the relationship. Jealousy means intolerant of rivalry. I don't want any competition with you. And here's what God's jealousy means. I created you to love me first. And I'm your God and I saved your soul and I deserve first place in your life. And when I see any person or anything coming to take you away, I'm going to fight for you because I love you so much. I'm not letting you go without a fight. Somebody needs to say amen. This is all good. It's all good. God loves you and God gets jealous. Well, when we get married, we fall in love and we know that we belong to each other first. I know that Karen belongs to me first, except for Jesus, and I belong to her first. So when we got married, Karen began to complain because she was jealous and I wouldn't listen to her. Would you come home and not play golf? Would you be with me and not my friends? Would you be with me and Julie and not go to work all the time? And I just never, I didn't listen. I never validated what she was saying, but what she was doing was saving our marriage. She was jealous in a good way, and she was fighting for our marriage, but I wouldn't listen to her. And the classic cycle of love and marriage is we meet and become attracted. We highly prioritize the relationship. Every time you fall in love, you're doing the right thing. You're prioritizing the relationship. We fall in love and get married. The marriage is great for a while, but things gradually then gradually other people and things begin to take first place in our lives in real terms, and we begin to be jealous and complain. And many times a man is turning toward his work or something outside the home. The woman is turning toward children. She's taking her frustrations and turning them toward the children, and the husband's frustrated because he feels like all the energy that he used to get is going to the kids. The wife is frustrated because she feels like all the energy she used to get is going to something else, work or something else. And you're complaining, but you're not listening. But what both of you are doing, what one or both of you are doing is you're violating an absolute, universal, inviolable law of God that he created called the law of priority. When you get married, it's not putting your spouse first when you're dating or when you're first married that matters. Karen and I have been married all this time. We're, we're first. We're first. Let me say this. So talk about, um, you know, listening. I went to a men's conference when I was a young husband. as was my early 20s. I was still a bad husband. 
And there was a guy speaking, a pastor speaking, and he made this comment. And he said, every husband needs to sit down with his wife over a cup of coffee and say, tell me what's wrong with me and I won't defend myself. And I thought, that's the stupidest person I've ever met. <laughs> that man's just too dumb to be up there teaching. <laughs> what? Why would, I, why would I do that? She'll tell me. Why would, I, why would I ask for it? Well, that was dumb, Jimmy. If I had a time machine, I'd send myself back in time to dumb Jimmy, and the first thing I'd do is slap him. <laughs> Say, listen, Jimmy, listen, listen. And so now that I'm not stupid anymore, I say to Karen on a regular basis, are you okay? And when you've been married this long, you just have code language. And here's the code language. When I ask Karen if she's okay, here's what I'm saying. Is there anything you need? Is there anything bothering you? Is there anything I'm not doing or doing? because you're first and I will cut, I will crawl through cut glass for five miles to make sure you're okay. You'll never have to nag. You'll never have to beg. You'll never have to ask twice. And I have a happy wife. Except in the car. And so it might be that you that you were keeping the law of priority and you're not doing it now. And, and my encouragement is just apologize to your spouse and do anything you need to to make this right. I won't, first of all, I want to say, listen to your spouse. They're, when they begin to complain, don't do what I did and just push it off. When your wife is complaining about your working and your friends and your video games and watching sports and stuff, listen to her and let her know not, none of this is more important than you. You're more important. When your husband's complaining about the kids or friends or the amount of time that maybe you're on the phone or social media or something, listen to your husband. And there should be a regular time that you guys are together and you're able to talk. And if there's a frustration, you've in it, but you have, to, you have to validate. The other thing I want to say is you need to, you need to train your children to respect your marriage. You know, you will not have a marriage if you don't train your children to respect it. And I say jokingly that, you know, children are simple little creatures. There's only one thing they want. They want to possess your soul. <laughs> and they want 24-7 access to you. They want you to take care of them all day and all night. You know, uh, they want to just walk into any conversation, interrupt. They, they, they just want, you know. And so with your children are precious. Okay, there's Jesus, there's your spouse, and there's your kids. They're, your kids are third. Let me say this about your children. Here's why they're third. They're going to leave someday, hopefully. <laughs> they're a temporary assignment, right? And how are they going to succeed in marriage if you don't show them how? So this, this may sound like an arrogant statement, but I'm going to say it because it's truth. When Karen and I were raising our children, we wanted them to be just like us. If you don't want your children to be like you, you don't understand parenting. It's more caught than taught. We wanted them to love Jesus the way we love Jesus. We wanted them to be married the way we were married. We wanted them to be parents like we were parents. They want, we want, everything that we had is what we wanted for them. And you know something? Our kids are better than us. They both have great marriages. They're both great parents. They love Jesus. They serve the Lord. Is 
You have to teach your children to respect your marriage. And the way that you do that, when I came home from work, when our kids were young, I would come home and we would eat together and we would spend two or three hours together as a family and then we'd put the kids to bed. And when they got older, they'd put themselves to bed. But when they were younger, you know, 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock, I'd put them to bed, you know, pray for them. And then Karen and I had our own time. And we had, in our bedroom, we had a lock on our door. We went into our bedroom. We had to have a lock on our door. We had a guard. We had... Uh, no, if you don't, if you don't t- t- teach your children, they won't respect it. But we had a lock on our door, and uh, we would go into the bedroom, and we would sit face-to-face and talk. And that was our time. And what we trained our children is, no, you had your time. Now, this is mom and dad's time. Now, you respect our time. And regularly, we would have time together. We'd go on a little trip or something, a day or two, Karen and I would, and that was our time. And so the law of priority is very simple. Marriage only works in the first place. And if you're, in real terms, if you are not expressing to your spouse that they're first and you will protect them from all competition, they're going to be hurt and they're going to be frustrated. And the reason they're hurt and frustrated is because they're normal and they're healthy. And their jealousy is a protective thing in your marriage, just like Karen's was. And my encouragement to you is this, honor God by honoring his word. And the first thing he ever said about marriage is, for this cause, a man's going to have to reprioritize his life. By the way, he didn't mean just man. He meant man and woman. Men are supposed to lead. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.